It's good to see you alive, Jess Leclerc. That was a bit of a scary time. It was awful. I just didn't... I had never thought that you can die. I just had... It had never crossed my mind that at any point you could die. I didn't prepare for that. And so... Um, Sorry, I just got distracted because you've got this really nice blue shadow on your face and it would look like a great painting. <laughs> Such an artist. Yeah, um. The D-Place Podcast on creativity and spirituality. Friends, welcome to this first interview of the second season of the Deep Place podcast. It's so wonderful to be doing these again. I absolutely love them. Uh, we're going to be talking near-death experience today, uh, but not in not in kind of a theoretical, philosophical perspective. Rather, we'll be talking to my friend Jess, who is a brilliant, brilliant painter, has won many, many awards and been a finalist in many, many competitions over the years, including the Archibald Portraiture Prize. She's a brilliant, brilliant painter, uh, but had this experience only a few months ago of almost dying. Uh, and so it was an absolute honor to talk to her and get to hear her reflections on life and creativity coming out of this this experience for her um, she is a painter and uh, of course it's very hard on a podcast to show her work because you're just listening to it and so make sure you go and check out her stuff if you just look at jess.art uh, you'll be able to see her work and also her instagram is jessica underscore leclerc that's l-e-c-l-e-r-c is her last name make sure you check out her work even as you're listening to this interview that i got to do with her sit back and enjoy It is wonderful to be here uh, with my friend Jess Leclerc. I'm in Melbourne and Jess is in the sunny Sunshine Coast. Is it a sunny day up there, Jess? Yeah, uh, and I'm definitely happier to be here than there. <laughs> Melbourne is lovely. What are you talking about? Sorry, sorry Melbourne. Uh, all my family are in Melbourne and uh, it just doesn't sound like it's much of a party. <laughs> It's a wonderful place to be. Um, Jess, <laughs> most, most of our listeners won't know who you are. Um, mm -hmm. I will say you're an incredible artist. Can you just tell us a little bit about you, about your creativity? What does is, what is your life uh, look like? Um, yeah, sure. Well, look, I'm a white mother who grew up quite privileged who paints. So that's always been quite tricky to make interesting as a painter. <laughs> I don't wear feathers in my hair and I have no face tattoos. So I um, often get people misunderstanding why I'm at an exhibition. They think I'm with the media there to, to interview people. Um, so I've just tried to spice things up recently and just create a little bit more drama in my life because I just didn't have enough clout to say, like, I'm allowed to paint yes. nude people or I'm allowed to become a famous fine artist. So, yeah. Just tried to spice things up this year a bit. <laughs> That's great. We'll hear we'll hear about that in a second. But you, so you are a, I mean, essentially a full time mum, of course, uh, and a full time painter, and a full time running your own art school. Yeah, um, and uh, we we're about you, to open a um, big fine art store here on the Sunshine Coast as well. So me and my husband wow. are in business together. So he is my he's the general manager of our business, but he's also my agent. Um, yeah, but I'm. I'm a portrait painter, essentially, if we need Yeah, it. and an amazing portrait painter and has won lots of prizes and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I, but I'm wondering just to start with why not, because that sounds a lot. And you're similar to me. We are threes on the Enneagram. Yeah. My three sister. Yeah, yeah. for those who don't know Enneagram, the three is the achiever. Um, it's the... Uh, Jess and I uh, love to get things done and and we like to be seen to be getting things done as well. And so we, <laughs> we battle and wrestle with that a lot. Um, somehow, somehow you hold all of that together. How do you hold all of that together? Being an artist and being a businesswoman, et cetera, et cetera, oh, et cetera. I don't feel like it looks very pretty. Like it's not tidy. <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoy moving. I enjoy making. Um, I would be making something every minute of the day if I could. Um, hmm. And I am, I have learned that that is, there is a healthy version of that and a non-healthy version. And I enjoy making and it's quite meditative to me. And um, if I wasn't painting, I would probably be sculpting or I would be digging in the garden or I understand myself best through making in my body. Um, yeah. So I think that energy as a three, I've learned to be proud of it and love it rather than to do less. I try to do mm. things with presence and enjoy mm. the doing and never um, exchange the doing for relationships or presence. So that's, I guess, as a three, yeah, just well. like that energy is so hard to manage because it's not going to go away. I am nearly 40 years old and I... I wake up with that kind of energy. So I'm just learning how to use it better. When, when does it become, you said it can become unhealthy. When does it become unhealthy for you? Like when you creativity? can't, yeah. When you can't give up for human beings, what you're making or doing. Um, so you just got to be willing to stop what do you at mean? any Say that point. Like when, right. when I'm in a project painting and I can't prioritize my human connection over the making of that project. So when I lock into this task I'm at is more important than anything else. That is when it is unhealthy every time. So I just have to always make sure that whatever I'm making, doing the business, all of it can be thrown out the window for human connection and for relationship, I think is my healthy trigger. I love, I love that idea of, I mean, it's very easy, yes, to put our creativity first, but I love that at the like living that value at the center and core of who you are and letting that then uh, play out and define everything else, like relationships and connections first. And obviously family and um, your wonderful children and husband, putting them first allows you to then, I suppose, have the freedom to create uh, and to be that entrepreneurial doing, 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 creating, 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 as long as you have that value at the core center. Yeah, and, and also a lot of really good people around you that uh, know the mm. healthy version of you and the unhealthy version of you because as a three, I can just look healthy all the time. And yeah. so then it always just looks like everything's going great, but really I need people that are so close to me that they can recognise the swing and call, yeah. me, call me back to my, my myself and to say to me, and guide me a little bit because I think also as a three it's hard to sometimes notice it because we're having a really good time like I'm having always having a lot of fun with my ideas and so sometimes yeah. even in the fun I need somebody to say to me I know you're having a good time but it seems like it's swinging too far this way I oh. and and they can call me home to the to the the balance 
this is why I love talking to a three because it's like you're just <laughs> preaching at me and I'm like, oh, this is too familiar. It's it too, is. Too it is. I think I like really love threes and I'm really proud of us, but I also can see that we need lots of uh, people to mm. help us as well. Like we actually have to collaborate to stay healthy. Um, yeah. And so I've, I'm just trying to learn to love threes because we are quite um, shadowed as well. And so to start with, yeah. I used to just be ticked off at us all the time for like just loving, achieving and always being the centre of things. And now I'm trying to learn to love that about us and encourage threes more. I think we need more encouragement. It, it seems like we don't because everyone's always saying, Joel, you're doing so good. Jess, you're doing so good. But actually the type of encouragement we need is like who you are is excellent. And you have especially probably battled and wrestled with uh, not being able to get things done this year. We've all had a crazy year, um, being the year of the pandemic, etc., etc. And then to top it off, why not have a life-shattering event? Um, that sounds like a good idea. Can you tell us uh, what the heck happened to you a, well, few, <laughs> a few months ago now? It would be, yeah. what, two months ago? Uh, yeah, September um, 24th, I think. Um, Yes, I can. So to reference back to being a privileged white woman who's a painter and needing some more mm. spice in my life, um, <laughs> in, the, in the September holidays, um, I was running a four-day oil painting workshop and I arrived at the workshop, cleaned the building and then um, began to teach this workshop and I had 25, let's say, people there for four days all travelled from everywhere, really excited to learn to oil paint or to extend their profession. And in the middle of my opening kind of, like the introduction, I had a massive brain hemorrhage, a level four um, aneurysm, uh, which means, so there's four levels of bleed you can have inside your brain and the highest level is, it means the most amount of fluid around the brain. Yeah. That's such uh, a the, three thing to do. Why not go for level yeah, four? That's right. I was like, like just go all the way. Three, three and a half, bit more, four. Yeah, winner. Um, so <laughs> the brain is like a sponge. Like it's actually texture is very much like a sponge. And so when you bleed around the brain, it actually pushes the brain through the neck, through the, wow. the arteries in the neck. And that's why most people, very, very small percentage of people live through this type of aneurysm because it actually rejects the brain. It pushes it out of the skull. And yeah. so I happened to have this aneurysm in front of 20 whatever people and one of them was my GP. She had booked in to come to the workshop. That's amazing. She recognised it was an aneurysm immediately, which it can look more like a, um epileptic fit to begin with. Um, so she held me for 20 minutes and she called out wow. my name for 20 minutes to try and keep me as conscious as she could to help with the swelling in the brain. Apparently, I am definitely not good at medicine or speaking medicine but she said keeping me as conscious as possible would stop the swelling around the brain so she called my name for 20 minutes while Far an out. ambulance came the ambulance came they because they knew it was an aneurysm I was able to shortcut straight to a helicopter straight to the um, neuro special um, specialist hospital uh, then they had to do brain surgery on me and um, stop the bleeding and uh, the GP, she said she watched me go through the stages of brain death. So she 
She didn't tell my husband that. She just said to Dylan, get in the ambulance. She's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You know, she just didn't know what else to say. So she said, I just lied yeah. straight to his face. But she yeah. went home to her husband and said to her husband, look, I just watched Jess, um, Jess's brain die. I, all the wow. symptoms and, you know, your eyes rolling back, foaming at the mouth. It was, it was beautiful. Um, so uh, my staff were all there. All of those students were there. Then I get to the hospital they do the surgery and they just weren't sure whether I there's no way they can tell if, if there is brain death they have to wait yeah yeah and um I came I came conscious really fast and I actually remember remember coming to Dylan said for about one full day I just kept saying with this really strange like kind of horror movie voice what happened <laughs> And then he would answer with this big, long, like, well, what happened was he'd tell me and then I would look at him, but what, what happened? <laughs> and he was just like... I didn't realise you were actually conscious. I thought you were straight away in a coma for the whole time. No, I was... No, this is the day after. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 24 hours after surgery, I right. came out of the coma and this is yeah, just... Right. I just repeated myself for a day. So that day they just said to Dylan, look, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We know she's alive and awake, but we're not sure how bad this is. And then wow. I just, everything started to come back. I couldn't see for a little while. And then my eyes came back and it's actually, there's some beautiful metaphors in how the brain recovers because I mean, it was painful for everyone else and they were clearly very conscious. But for me, I couldn't have any emotional pain because my body pain and my brain was in so much pain. I was in that hospital tubes coming out of my brain for 21 days, but I couldn't really have any emotional pain because my body was too loud so all wow. the emotional pain of recovery and understanding what happened to me has had to happen after Post my body al allowed me which there's a lot of things about trauma I've learned as well um, just about how you have to give priority to the body sometimes and then you're allowed to give priority to the emotions and the mind later and um, learning how to do that it's been really hard and really interesting yeah but yes, I'm alive. Uh, they don't know why. I'm going to see the neurologist um, on Thursday because they just right. they just want to understand why I've had not a lot of brain damage. All my um, damage seems to be in my coordination between my body and my brain and my short-term memory. Right. So, so does that mean I you just... can still paint? Can you still paint? Yes, I can. Thank God, I can paint. Yeah. I can paint. I I just I kind of act like I'm eighty. <clears throat> that's the best right. way you know just it's a little bit dementiary is in my just the type those types of symptoms where you're like she literally just told me this and yeah, i can wow. tell by your response if i've just said it yeah so i just try and read people and go oh definitely just told that story i can tell <laughs> <laughs> well you haven't repeated yourself yet so you're doing pretty okay. well okay. <laughs> yeah well like if you listen to this podcast and a few times you're like that did not sound smart um, I'd just like you to be a bit forgiving, please. <laughs> the Neuro Ward, I got to... I'm thankful that I got to see this, but it has, it's terrible. But I, I got to see what it looks like for families to say goodbye to people over and over again because they put you in a, um, a group ward because of being high care. Mm. There has to be a nurse watching you 24-7. And so I was in the room with a heap of other people who had suffered brain death or 
had to have the machines turned off and for 21 days I just watched people wheeled out and families saying goodbye to them and that was actually very important for me to see because I don't think I would have understood the gravity of what had gone on if I didn't see other people and what it looked like yeah I would have kind of probably been like yeah aneurysms it's not such a big deal I got through it you know it was really bad headaches but I'm good (laughs) and that's generally how I accidentally am about most things I'm not great at identifying real emotions so to just every day wake up and be like oh there's an 18 year old opposite me and he's not going to wake up and there's his family. I, I just, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a lot in the hospital as well, just trying to process and see, like just seeing other people's pain like that. I just realized how little I've been there for people who have been in pain and how little I understand about pain just by watching other people. And even just the nurses, like sometimes at night I wouldn't be able to sleep and I would listen to the nurses talk to somebody who um, had no brain function and be so kind and so nurturing and change their socks and put oil on them. And just the, the glory of watching people love like that as well was, was amazing. I just, it was, it was a really excellent time for me as a a woman just to, to understand better the, the world and to be more empathetic. And so I've been doing a lot of writing around what I saw in there. That's amazing. So many, I mean, it's the biggest disruption really you can have aside from totally dying. And I'm very glad that you didn't die. Totally dying. Really, <laughs> that's a really wonderful thing. <laughs> totally dying. I'm sorry for everyone that I just laughed about that. But it's, it's yeah, just 99% dying. Just. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people have had lost somebody to an aneurysm and I hadn't really yeah. heard of it much and now yeah. every day, every day somebody tells me I lost my mother, um, I lost my wow. brother. You hear um, all the stories now, yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot. Like, And I'm sure people listening will, will know people and, you know, teenagers yeah. that fall asleep and don't wake up. It's nearly um, always aneurysms. And it, we all have aneurysms in our brain. They're just like a little, they're like a little bubble at the end of an artery that can swell. And they really don't have an answer for how to stop them. Yeah, they just have to treat them when they explode, essentially. And even scanning, if they said if they scanned every brain in the world, they still wouldn't be able to stop them. Um, yeah. So it just is what it is, and that's also a really good process for me as well. Like, there's nothing I can do to stop it or start it. It just is. It just happened, and that's probably been the hardest process for our family. Is just this thing happened for no reason. That's, yeah. That's the way the world is. That's very contrary to how I grew up. You know, I always thought everything happened for a reason. Wow, isn't that an interesting... I I find it fascinating that it's so disrupted your kind of philosophical or spiritual belief in terms of Mm. everything. How are you able to hold that together now? Like, I know you're a spiritual person and so everything happening for a reason does feel like Mm. it's kind of at the core of for many of us whether it's christianity or spirituality or whatever Mm. how do you wrestle with that now well i don't know when i when i thought so for two days after i woke up the pain was so 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 bad i did think i would die and it's nerve nerve pain and swelling through the whole spinal cord so i i 
I would have liked to have died is probably the best way to have said it. Wow. I got to a point that I was like, you know, it's like when you've got a toothache that's so bad that you just want to crack that tooth out. Yeah. I just wanted to cut my head off. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So wow. I had to kind of come to terms with death and just going, okay. But when I came to terms with that and realized I probably will die today in those two days after waking up and thinking it was the end, I thought I would have this eternal picture. Um, I would reflect on my life differently. But what ended up happening was I had these big pillows behind me, ice packs all over me, and my eternal, uh, like my peak into eternity kind of just looked like love. And I could, I really felt like I was just made up of the people that loved me. Wow. And I could feel, I could feel the divine. I could feel God. And I would lay my head back on the pillow and I felt loved, but I didn't pray. I didn't, I thought I would say, save me or heal me or, hmm. um, negotiate, but I didn't, none of those. I just laid and I put my head back on that pillow over and over and just felt love, like just immersed in love. Yeah. I didn't feel like I even necessarily wanted to be saved because opposite me was people dying and I didn't want to try and negotiate my life hmm. when I was watching them die. So instead hmm. I just decided that I would relent to love and that's what I did every day. I don't know how many times I just was like, I am loved. That was my experience of eternity. And I would keep coming out of consciousness and into consciousness and out. And each time I would do that same rhythm, you know, breathe and love. And um, that was life changing for me. Especially, all, I mean, all of this stuff, especially as someone who is so um, entrepreneurial and doing so much and always, 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 um, how, like coming out a few weeks now, um, I'm wondering how your, um, has, obviously life has still changed because you simply can't be doing everything that you were doing, but mm. has internally, has that changed for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back to the former version of myself she mm. wants power <laughs> and then I have to keep trying to remember what's important and what I've just learned so it's not like it's life-changing and then I'm like and fresh Jess is here instead um, I keep wrestling to go back to the way I was before but I learned so much that I want to keep that I have to keep repeating that to myself so I'm finding ways to hold on to that mm. um, because I don't want to lose how much I'm enjoying the the presence of people who love me and how I'm finding it really easy to forgive people and I'm getting less angry at people for being stupid <laughs> <laughs> and you know just the things we all get mad at at everyone there was way less power in that but it's all coming back I'm finding myself getting ticked off again or um boredom but in the hospital for 21 days staring at a wall I did not get bored because I had learned so much and I was so grateful and that gratefulness stopped boredom which was is a whole nother thing we could talk about forever is that that grateful space to be in for life stops you going I need to achieve I need to do so I am wrestling back and forth I would like yeah those lessons to stay with me and I will make sure they do yeah. but 
old Jess is definitely wanting to take over. And so, yeah, back and forth. It's reminding me of the, the, the war between Gollum and Schmeagol. If Are yes. you Lord of the Rings? Yes. You know Lord of... Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I'm definitely Lord of the Rings. I'm all about it. I quoted Lord of, Lord of the Rings the other day just in like a normal sentence and the person opposite me I could tell was like, no. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> yep, that's the fight. And uh, these these conversations, like what we're doing right now, these are yeah. the good ones that remind you to keep showing up to that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and luckily, a life changing event like this makes me keep showing up to those core things that I learned because I have to keep talking about it, and that's awful and great because mm. it then keeps bringing me back to what's important. What do I care about? And we, there's really not a lot that matters. <laughs> That's probably one of my big takeaways. Like when it was all said and done, hardly anything matters. Just a few little things. What were the things? Family, and love, people. That's it. Like the things that you worry about money, it's a joke. Yeah. It, I didn't once think about money, lack of a bill. None of that mattered. But yet how much of my life is taken up with needing to source it and um people like disappointing people it takes up so much of my life yeah i didn't think about who i disappointed or who was happy with me and who liked me um who was disgruntled all these things that just take up such if you know my my brain was a pie and it was all divided up so many of the things that take up real estate in there just aren't important and what was important was my nine-year-old daughter holding my hand and looking at me the way she looked at me was like took up every little part of my brain and my 15 year old son my 15 year old son he just wanted to rescue me so much he wanted to be the big man and Hmm. watching him pray over me and just hold me and took up all my brain space and so I think all my my heart space I think that that's something else I keep coming back to is what really matters, Jessica. And then talking to other people about what really matters because I don't want everyone else to go through that. Mm. So I think we can share that as well and mm. just keep asking them. Yeah. Does does creativity oh, yeah. does creativity still matter? It you know, well yeah, because like if for nothing else it held me when nothing else could hold me when I was really frightened so in the hospital the reason I got out so early is because I could draw and so the um the OTs could see that my cognition between my left and right hemispheres Mm. was really strong and so I got out early but it held me when I couldn't articulate my pain or I couldn't um be in my emotions or my body it gave me a beautiful landing space to just meditate or to be still if for no other reason if my art was for to never go out into the world and say anything else it was my friend and held me um so i i think creativity has a beautiful spectrum of things and they can be used all differently at all different times but in that particular scenario for me art has been helping me um not get ahead of myself and just slow me down and help me think through all these these big thought processes that are going on like such a big amount of thoughts and feelings and um yeah so just just a good holding space but now mm. i also have written a a body of work based on human touch um 
and the way we physically interact in the world hmm. that I'm beginning to paint because of how impacted I was by the people that just sat by my bed and held me and they didn't I didn't need them to say words to me wow. I did not need poetry in that moment I needed <laughs> I just Hey come on I like poetry I didn't need a painting I didn't need a painting held in front of me I needed somebody to hold me Yeah um, and one of my girlfriends came and just literally cocooned my body on that wow. the worst pain day and didn't speak um and wow. so yeah i think human touch became more valuable than it ever has been and so i've yeah I'm, i think my creativity hmm. i get to now express something with images that i would not be able to articulate and also can't be it's a language that can't be spoken well um to to another um so yeah i i think to take my experience and to give it to others visually is and the next part of why creativity is good. So the first part was for me to have a, a soft landing space and to continue to mm. use it that way, not to achieve anything. But secondly, yeah. it's a way for me to now express mm. to others, hopefully a gift. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering therefore as well is like you, since then you've won a major award and you won a, a people's choice major award as well mm. um painting award here in australia do those do those things matter as much as they used to no um very good question they don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah and yeah. i'm really thankful it's a really important part of fine art to be able to be in awards it's important for the arts community and to be able to sell my paintings but um, yeah. It felt very different. I I won the People's yeah. Choice Award for um, two big um, national prizes that are on here in Australia, and um, I won significant prize money, which was really timely because obviously I haven't been out of work. So yeah. that was cool. So the money, I was like, yes, thank you. And then obviously recognition, yeah, yeah, yeah great. But um, yeah, it didn't didn't feel like what it used to feel like or what I've been waiting didn't for. Didn't that same place? No, because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked, but I, I didn't need it at all. Um, huh. So that was nice. That was good. That's amazing. I love, I love hearing that. Um, and maybe we can finish on that because I know you need to go. Um, I just I love that idea that through this massive disruption, uh, almost um, you almost passing away through everything that happened, you have come out the other end and internally like it's beautiful to hear what has happened internally that you can hold your creativity and that you can hold people and they're the things that matter they're the things that um in the end matter and within the midst of that you don't your creativity is no longer about proving yourself to the world it's a it's a gift you get to give this gift to the world um, and, and also i don't have to give it i think yeah. Just yeah. on the end of that, like just I think yeah. learning that it's also okay to have creativity and not give it as well mm. was something I probably hadn't really thought about enough. So, yeah, mm. I just sorry as you were talking, that I was just getting emotional. I I think um, that's it's hard because what we're saying out loud makes such beautiful sense, and you know people will mm. go, yeah, that makes sense. But living out what we know to be true and right is very difficult. Hmm. And um, so it's okay to have this beautiful revelation of what matters, 
but the harder yeah. part is showing up to the daily outworking of, of yeah. that yeah and and having other people that can help us remember that and it just I don't want this to sound shiny to anyone I don't want you to people to go yeah. away and go ah oh, ah oh, yeah doable because <laughs> yeah. actually on a really dark day when you don't yeah. feel much love it's it's hard to just to evaluate what matters you can't even write a list about what matters because you can't <laughs> get your head in order and so yeah I, this sounds easy and what you're saying is that's okay too that's yeah, okay as well that's okay it's very okay um and we don't have to present that we have it in order we just have to keep thinking we have to keep showing up to yeah. consciousness and going ah oh, i think i think that these things matter and you know write them and put them in art and put them in poetry around you and put them in music around you and remind yourself but also be okay that you are going to forget all of that in dark moments and um and we can then keep recovering as well but mm. be prepared for that to be difficult that's a great encouragement and inspiration and challenge to finish on your hair's all grown back that's wonderful uh, it, has no, it grown back or are you no, just covering it it's all under here it's it's i'm missing about a quarter of my hair volume but in the old days i used to shave you bald so i'm okay that's that's good that's good you're just able to do a big comb over i literally that's have wonderful. the best female comb over <laughs> and if and when i get out of the shower the spiky bits just come right through and i just have like a strange spike through all my curls all the way yeah. back it's it's terrifying All the music from today's podcast is from the incredible Taylor Leonhardt. If you want to check out her stuff, go and have a look on Spotify. She is amazing. It's been wonderful to hang out with you guys today. Uh, have a look at the Deep Place podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and uh, begin to connect in with the community. The Deep Place. Oh, that was great.